Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors, Macabre Manor of Mead, Metal, and Mayhem. I'm Jody. I'm James. When I say the words power metal, what do you think of? Um, I, I think I need to not be taking a sip of beer as you do that. <laughs> well, that's probably wise. <laughs> so while you're drinking, I'll tell you what I think of. I think of an okay. thimic, powerful, fast, clean, melodic, neoclassical, kick-ass. Oh. Yeah. Stop. All that stuff you said. So what's your favorite power metal band? Uh, I, you know, I don't know. Keep I mean, I, I, know, I know what band we're going to talk about. <laughs> well, the listeners probably do too, since it's part of the title. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, because there, there's quite a few that I like. I don't know which one is my favorite. Well, I have one. <laughs> I, I, I know. Uh, and, 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 and that, for me, that's up there on my list. <laughs> so, of course, mine is Halloween. Everybody's seen that title. And the kick-ass... But I do get that, you know, if you want to say, for example, Ronnie James Dio or Judas Priest or even Iron Maiden, I, I think that would be a good conversation to have someday, which we plan on doing about genres and subgenres, because yeah. I, I think those three are some of the big precursors to power metal and how they played. Yes. You know, of course, you could say, you know, Iron Maiden's definitely Nwabam, but Nwabam led into glam with Def Leppard and Black with venom and and maybe power or speed with iron maiden and it's yeah uh, look a continuum <laughs> context I, I like them but we're talking about halloween there you go <laughs> ride the sky uh, sorry uh, so yes <laughs> halloween <laughs> that little delayed reaction to that <laughs> Didn't know what to make of that, my Kai Hansen impersonation, did you? No, I didn't. Uh, so for some context. Woo! Oh, context. Hey, I got beer. I'm going to take a drink. Yay! <laughs> Halloween was formed in 84. And unlike the Zeppelin one, I'm not going to go to a lot of history and do quotes and all sorts of timelines that are that in deep and deep in depth. Um, <laughs> deep. I'm, not, I'm not even drinking. <laughs> But, you know, I've got yeah. a few dates and stuff here. If you're like me, you're tired and probably a little punch drunk from <laughs> lack of sleep. I seem to do well with no sleep or little sleep. Uh, anyway, context. Oh, oh. Man, I just took a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Take another fiat. <laughs> Ass. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> so, so, again, um, Halloween, warm 1984. So, just a couple of different places I've seen different. It, it all depends on, on how you, you know, who you're talking to. But for the context, Metallica formed in 81. First album didn't come out till 83. Megadeth yeah. formed in 83. Their first album not till 85. Anthrax formed in 81. First album not till 84. And Exodus actually formed back in 79. But their first album wasn't out till 85. So when I talk about some of these bands, especially Halloween, they didn't come about because of Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, Exodus, or some of the other. And there's actually a really neat article I read on the big uh, German four, just like I mentioned the American four. Yeah. But all these bands are coming out about the same time, or at least where, you know, you, you might have some tape trading, although, of course, yeah. tape trading, you know, huge for metalheads back in the day. Oh, yes. Yeah. Because you're talking about these, these bands were all contemporaries. They all yeah. started around the same time. I know before the term thrash was applied to 
uh, you know, the, the Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, Slayer, and all those guys, when like the guys in Metallica would be asked what their style of metal was, Lars would say, you know, we just call it power metal because it was so powerful and, and you know, fast and, and heavy. You know, obviously thrash has more of a punk influence than what power metal does, but they do already, there, there is some overlap. Um, I, I think the, the a lot of the, I, some of the power metal bands get more into some of the fantasy stuff. One of the reasons why I likes it. Yes. <laughs> and then, and then, actually, Halloween. Um, I, in, in this episode, I wasn't planning on going past the uh, Michael Kiske era. Okay. Um, but once you get into later Halloween, it becomes more political. But yeah, uh, some of the early stuff, very fantastical. You know, you have bands like uh, Chronic Temple that have this old knights and shining armor type of thing and mm-hmm. glory hammer, which <laughs> is starts off as a D and D campaign and then goes into star jammers. <laughs> really? I, I'm going to have to listen album. to some more of their stuff. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Their second album is uh, in the future. <laughs> Goblin King of the dark sun galaxy. <laughs> it's, oh, that's awesome. Oh, I'm so have good. To check that out. We'll move on. So Halloween. Woo. Yes. Yay. Of course, they have the best mascot, I think, because it's Jack O'Lantern, and we all know how much I love Halloween. Yes. I'm sure most people would disagree with me, especially with Ed out there. <laughs> yeah. I didn't start listening to him until later, but I, I was in Germany about the time they started releasing albums, I think. When did you say their first one came out? I haven't yet. So I was, I was, because I, I, I was in Germany for 14 months back in the mid-80s, and I remember there was a record store I used to love to go to. They had awesome, awesome shit in there. Uh, at least the first couple of Halloween albums, because I think that was all that was out at the time. And I, I, I hadn't listened to them, but I kept looking at them thinking, man, that looks really cool. <laughs> with the, you know, with, with Jack on the cover. Yeah, what, what, what years were you there? Roughly, I think it was sometime in April of 86, and I came back in June of 87. Because I was, I, was, I was thinking that there were two different covers that I saw. Well, it could be. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll just kind of jump in. And so they formed 83, 84. Initially, a four-piece with, with members from all sorts of bands. They merged from Iron Fist and Gentry and Power Fool and Second Hell. And, you know, so you had all these bands. Uh, but there's Kai Hansen on guitar and vocals. Marcus Groskopf. Ingo Mr. Smile Zwietzenberg. Yeah, remember, I can't do German very well. And uh, Michael Week. <laughs> um, and so when they started with the four piece and they signed with noise records in 84 and they did a compilation called death the album name was death metal with hellhammer who we should talk about because they became celtic frost yes and a couple other bands running wild and, and dark avenger uh, so they had two songs on there then in 85 they had their self-named ep with with you know handful of songs but then they came out with their their first album Walls of Jericho in 85. Okay. Which could be one you may know. But the second one that came out was 87. And then the next one didn't come out till 88 when you're already back here. Yeah. So I'm assuming maybe the ones you could have seen their EP in Walls of Jericho, but it sounds like maybe you were there during Walls of Jericho and, and possibly Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 1. I, and see, I'm thinking Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 1 was already out by the time I came back to the states so i think it was one that i saw there or i definitely remember seeing at least one i was thinking too i don't know maybe i saw the ep too bad you didn't know me and also know that 
in the future, I would love this band because it is almost impossible to get now and really pricey if you can. <laughs> I bet. Damn it. Uh, maybe they'll do like uh, Def Leppard and put out a box set and it'll be part of the box set. Uh, you can get most of the songs on their re-release of Walls of Jericho. Oh, okay. So that, that's not a huge deal, but yeah, I, I just want the EP. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So Walls of Jericho, I, I bought after, you know, as, as a later purchase after I discovered Halloween because I I think I had to look around for it after I discovered them through Keepers. I don't consider it power metal. It's more the speed thrash, which okay. is, is partially the music and partially Kai's vocals. It's, it's still good. And in fact, so there's this one song, uh, it's Walls of Jericho is the actual song, and it's just like a synthetic horn, a synth horn. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they still um, play that at the beginning of each concert when they come out. Cool. That's, their, that's sort of their music that when the lights go down, that plays, and then bam, they're on stage. Or at least nice. at least a small venue I went to and saw them a few years ago. That's what they did. It, it was awesome. They start playing that, and the whole crowd goes, woo! <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think I may still have the audio on my phone. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. side note for any wwe fan out there or wrestling fan i guess chris jericho took his stage name and his finisher walls of jericho from this album yes yeah i had heard that so yeah i didn't really discover halloween until 87 when uh yeah keeper of the seven keys came out which might have been better because kai hansen who was singing and playing guitar realized that it was hard to do both at the same time for the type of music they're playing so they found uh in 86 michael kiske I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, Michael. I honestly have never heard it pronounced. <laughs> you can blame the American uh, metal media for that. Yeah, and I will. Because we don't have one. <laughs> he joined in 86. And then May of 87, Keeper of the Seven Keys comes out. And, and all I know is that I go to I go to the mall, Honey Creek Square, and Terre Haute. And uh, um, our buddy Rob that we, we kind of hack on quite a bit is with me. <laughs> and uh, we just go in this jockey, um, <laughs> walk, walking around, which uh, for those of you who most of you are probably our age if you're listening to us, but if you're younger, uh, disc jockey is something called a record store. Now, I know yes. you probably don't know what those are very well. Yeah. Uh, I kid. I know there's still a few out there. <laughs> but disc jockey, uh, you know, just we'd go up and down. We'd flip through all the little cassettes and their big plastic container things that kept you from stealing them. Mm -hmm. Nominally, uh, I didn't, but I do know people who still did. It wasn't that hard to do. Yeah. And I'm flipping through and I see this kick-ass album with this kick-ass band name. I'm like, well, what the hell's this? Because it has this picture of this mage-looking dude holding a crystal ball. You know, I'm huge into D&D &D at the time. And your mom. And, and, uh, and the, the band's name's Halloween with the jack-o'-lantern and the, the O. And I'm like, what the hell? That's kick-ass. I look, turn it over, and there's a song called Halloween. I'm like, well, could this be any better? <laughs> You know, sometimes 
you, you can judge a book or an album by its cover. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I, I think Thompson just got driven nuts by me because I listened to this motherfucking cassette constantly <laughs> once I bought it. <laughs> oh, starts in with initiation, just this little minute and a half piece that gets you into it, and then bam, kicks ass all the way through. I mean, there's one slowish song, but the rest are just this powerful. I'd never heard, like, you know, I, I knew who Iron Maiden was. So when yeah. I say I've never heard anything quite this powerful, it's not completely accurate, but it was still different enough. Yeah. I heard this and yeah, <laughs> uh, just fantastic. In, in fact, so Halloween, the song is a 13 minute song on the cassette or well album, <laughs> Yeah, but whatever your album consists of. But they also have like a six-minute version that they would play. They had a video for, and MTV would play it around Halloween. And, of course, I would sit there and keep watching until I saw it. And, but, no, but now that we have YouTube and stuff, because, you know, back in the day. <laughs> yeah, back in the day, we didn't have the Internet. Yeah, you couldn't just pull it up. But, but uh, that song in the video now part of my annual Halloween ritual repertoire. There you go. If anybody wants my personal favorites. I'm Alive is fantastic. Twilight of the Gods. Insania 1 as you may have heard in some of the lyrics isn't so much uh old Norse gods it's more of the future and atomic warfare blowing the crap out of everybody <laughs> future world is a nice upbeat actually 
sort of the opposite of Twilight of the Gods. It's, hey, we're in the future. Everything actually kind of kicks ass because we learned as humans how to get along with each other. <laughs> That's a bit optimistic, but okay. Well, hey, <laughs> you, can, you can believe in 1984 or you can believe in Brave New World. <laughs> or both. <laughs> hey, it's all about balance between the two. <laughs> there we go. Uh, anyway, here's a little snippet of Future World. you got the cd or five this no i didn't burn this one for you i burned some of the newer ones right burned me uh the s and maybe the, seven the, sinners or uh the best the rest and the rare oh yeah it's on there <laughs> yeah and of course halloween which i think instead of doing a snippet everybody should go on youtube and look at it because in this video uh they're just a bunch of people dancing around and of course halloween costumes some scary some not i will have to rewatch this video Oh, there, there you go. That's my gift to everybody. Moving on. <laughs> the, why they call it Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 1 and then Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 2 came out in 88, just the next year, was because they actually wanted to do a double album, but the label said no, because, you know, weren't sure how they would work, so they made them do one album and see how it did. Yeah. So they came out with Part 2. The, the funny thing is, before I get into more of the, the Part 2 bits, I, I listened to them both earlier, and I usually don't listen to them back to back. They seem very distinct, and I don't know if that's because they were recorded a fair bit apart, even though they planned to do one. I don't know if they had all the material ready at once. It either sounds like it's different material written at different times, and the bulk of the writing of the first one was Kai, and the bulk of the second one was Michael, uh, Weeki, Weekith. So I don't know if that's the reason, or, you know, like I said, different times, or... If they had planned, because the first one is has, has a different sound that's a little darker than the second one, which is a little more upbeat overall on the average. And and their initial song, the, the like they always, you know, these first couple albums they do these little minute, two minute, minute and a half intros. And this one was much more orchestral and uplifting and and peppier in a, a positive sort of way. Hmm. And, and maybe they meant to do that because it's, uh, some of the content's different. So, you know, you've got Twilight of the Gods and you've got Halloween. 
where it talks about Halloween. It's a 13 minute freaking opus to Halloween where you, they actually mentioned Linus and the pumpkin patch and ghosts and goblins and being careful and watch out, beware. But it seems darker and part two is a little more bright as far as uh, emotion. Anyway, I, I, I just wish I knew if it was because of the writing styles of the, the guys who did more or the year break or they meant to do it because they wanted to start with something more ominous and then end up with something more positive because the 13 minute song on part one is Halloween and in there it actually talks about the dark one so you have this dark you have this scary sound band name Halloween but they're the, the guys are Christian they make no bones about it at all about being Christian and in the song Halloween they talk about the dark one and you know of course it's Satan but they're telling you to resist him and in part two the 13 minute song is Keeper of the Seven Keys, where you actually go out and you have these seven keys that take care of the seven deadly sins by, you know, the, the keys throw, take care of each sin. At the end of it, you have Satan trying to convince you not to, and the guys in the band are doing the Satan's part, which is what you mentioned in the Iron Maiden episode on Number of the Beast, where they can give Satan side of it, but the actual yeah. side the band is on the side of is good they're telling you to resist him or defeat him and and that's where that weird dark and light comes in it almost seems like the first part is ominous and it leads you into do you accept this quest and then the second one becomes a little more light because you go and you complete the quest yeah cool yeah you could actually do a whole D thing with some of their songs from start to finish <laughs> nice but anyway keeper part two comes out in 88 most of you, if you know who Halloween is, probably, uh, like, on average, would know them from the song I Want Out, which was heavily rotated on Headbangers Ball back in the day. Awesome song. One of my best parts of I Want Out, except, you know, besides sitting there, Headbangers Ball, just hoping it would come on, uh, was Kiske. Uh, Michael does this huge, long note towards the end. Just like a Keeper Part 1, I drove my our, our buddy Rob nuts with it. Uh, when Keeper Part 2 came out, I, I was hanging out with uh, another, but I mean, Rob, Rob and I still hung out, but uh, Rich and I hung out quite a bit and I would make him listen to this when I drove because he'd make me listen Prince and, and such when he drove, which, you know, as far as that type of music goes, I will take Prince over a lot of other people. I, you know, I was going to say if, as long as it was Prince's earlier stuff, I would have been fine with it. <laughs> well, that's that's where we had issues because some was early and I liked it, and then it got into some of his other stuff. But that's yeah. anyway. So anyway, Kiske does this huge, long, drawn-out note, measures long, um, which, by the way, I can imitate for length, but I can't imitate because I can't sing. <laughs> but but Richard get all snotty and be like, I bet he's using some sort of machine because they can just loop it through and keep it going because i'm gonna listen to this man check out how long he can hold this now nah, it's probably some loop thing he can't really do that because you know heaven forbid somebody else should be a good musician like the people he likes yeah. I, I found a live video and showed him of michael doing the note and he got pissy as all fuck <laughs> that doesn't surprise me <laughs> but suck it yeah, so anyway, it's a good thing. One of the things that irritate me about this particular era of the band is only because they went on tour on the inaugural Headbangers Ball uh, with, with Exodus and Anthrax, and they're yeah. going to play not too far over, but a state over, and I wanted to go watch it, and 
being 17-ish at the time, my overly protective religious parents were not very happy with that idea, so I did not get to see them. So pissed off. You'll get to see them again someday. You know what? No. I, I mean, I did as an adult. Almost 30 years. It took me 30 <laughs> years, and it was a different singer. So, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the new singer, too. We'll get into that in a future episode. So, that's not yeah. an issue. My personal favorite on this album, that's, that wasn't like a popular one, because I went out, it's good. Dr. Um, Steen came out of Frankenstein, satirical type of thing. Funny yeah. as hell. It's just uh, an awesome one too. <laughs> so those are good, but those are easy to find. And keep the seven keys really long. But my my two that came out, uh, one is Eagle Fly Free, just fantastically powerful, uplifting. actually just love that seems a little different than the others not out of place because they all go fairly well together it's rise and fall it's hilarious when you listen to the words and if you haven't noticed if you listen to halloween they do a lot of weird sounds sometimes they'll you know future world they have a, a middle section where they have a bunch of clocks ticking different song one of the songs they have sounds like a gremlin or goblin or maybe it's jack-o-lantern giggling in it sometimes they have a, they use a penny whistle or farm animals and they just have all these weird ass different things and rise and fall the whole thing is fantastic but then at the end they, they it's it's just hilarious Size like a lie. It's the rise and fall, the rise and fall. 
so Jody and I, when we were first talking about this at the episode, use terms like power metal, thrash metal, speed metal. Uh, I remember back in the day, I wish I would have kept it, but I got rid of a ton of my hip raiders and circus magazines and all that. But one of them yeah. actually coined the term Euro metal to describe the band Halloween. And that was sort of the European version of speed. I think they're trying to compare it to what Americans were calling speed metal. That's what Halloween was, was Euro metal because, you know, so that Euro metal evidently is kind of what became power metal would be my guess. But yeah, I think, I think you're right on that. Yeah. And I always, I keep forgetting about speed metal. And again, a lot of overlap with speed and thrash and <laughs> yeah. anyway, after this tour, well, the Headbangers tour, and then they do a European tour. Uh, Kai, who was, you know, been in the band this whole time, started as a singer, still being one of the lead guitars, because they had dueling lead guitars. It's another thing they have in common with Maiden, although, yeah. you know, sometimes Maiden's <laughs> more than two. Uh, yes. Kai and, and Michael would do this wonderful trade-off, although when they would do dual guitar, they'd actually sometimes play the exact same solo at the same time. That was where you got a lot of classical, neat, neoclassical stylings because it's more scale so you can match each other much better than you can with a, a feel type of solo. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so I love that. That's another thing I, I love about Halloween to, to add to the growing list of everything else. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kai leaves, which, which was, was weird to me. So I'm glad they got Michael Kiske to take over the vocals because his soaring vocals made a power opposed to Kai's vocals, which were more the, the speed thrash type of gruffer thing so it's, yeah. that, that's what i said earlier i'm probably good i listen to keeper part one first because had i seen wall of jericho listen to walls of jericho first i might not have kept going it was good but not mm -hmm. what kept me but anyway 89 kai decides to leave uh, due to health reasons tension in the band and, and with their label and all touring and everything it just you know sucked and uh, he's yeah. replaced by uh, roland grapal I didn't know this. Remember, back in the day, you don't know what your bands are doing, especially German bands in the U.S. press. You know, they did features on yeah. Halloween often enough. Not for me, but, you know, I had no idea they replaced him. So in 89, Live in the U.K. comes out, a live album. Uh, Kiske's introducing people, and he goes, Roland Grapal. I'm like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> I have no idea. I'm thinking, did, did I mess up their names or something? And then I'm looking on the back. I'm like, wait. Wait, where's Kai? So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's still good. I mean, Roland uh, is an excellent guitarist. He did a wonderful job replacing him. So, you know, that, that wasn't the issue. But yeah. just, you know, back in the day, Tales from Grandpa, you had no idea. <laughs> yeah, you, you might have seen a footnote in a magazine five months after the change happened, yeah. you know. And, and maybe, I may be exaggerating on that timeline, but well, <laughs> still, it would have been. Well, the popular yeah, bands you may, know sooner, and bands like Halloween yeah. or whatever, maybe, a, you know, never or a year. So, yeah, five months probably it, is a good average. It, it may be a little blurb on the news and notes page, you know. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. Kai leaves, 89. They release this album. Uh, then they're released from Noise, and they are picked up by EMI. Uh, but about this time, all the American press, all the mags, mm -hmm. uh, said they're disbanded. Because I actually remember reading after Keeper Part 2 came out that Halloween was no more. And probably because Kai left in 89. And mm -hmm. uh, about just a, a couple years or a few years later, Michael Kiske leaves. Uh, Ingo, the, the drummer, uh, is, is let go. 
and all this is happening and and I'm going to kind of gloss over their 91 release Pink Bubbles Go Ape and their 93 Chameleon album because they weren't they weren't well I don't even know if I ever saw them and I look for Halloween so EMI yeah. picked them up and they released these two albums EMI then by the end of 93 releases them for not selling well but I didn't see any promotions that I saw nothing in the record stores and circus and hit. I saw nothing so EMI eat a dick if you're gonna bitch about bands not doing well try to promote the band yeah that's and, and you'll see that a lot that record labels assign somebody that's that's just they're right there they're ready to break through and the, 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 the bigger label assign them and then they don't promote them if you don't promote them how do people it is the metal community but the metal community still relies on the metal press some some and just and having the damn record in the them, store yeah yeah if people can't buy the record you have to tell them it's out, but you got to put it out there for them to buy it. <laughs> I try to do at least one, if not both of those things. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sad about not seeing those two because they're kind of silly, synthy, horrible direction. Um, and, and because of those two, that's why they, they let Michael Kiske go, which his voice is great, but he wanted to go more pop oriented. So it's yeah. probably good they did let him go. But yeah, about this time, the American Mags were saying they disbanded. The, about this time, the CD that we mentioned earlier, The Best, The Rest, The Rare, was released. I'm thinking, well, that's kind of their last hurrah. They released this with their greatest hits and their B-sides and stuff, and that's all I'm going to get. Yeah, but? But fortunately, I was wrong, but I didn't find out until yeah. later that after Kisuke left and, you know, they, they, they continued on, which will be a very nice place for the next episode. Because... <laughs> um, uh, uh, Andy is the, the singer that comes up next is, is fantastic. And I'm glad I had a break because he is different than Michael. Not in a bad way, not in a good way. I love Halloween's new stuff as much as they're old, but it is different. Yeah. And, and I'm going to stop there because some of the things I will say will go in the next episode. And some of the things I'm going to say will go in our episode. We thought about doing on when is a band, not the band anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yes. 93, uh, Ingo, by the way, their drummer, nickname, great nickname, Mr. Smile, always smiling. No matter when you saw him smiling, great attitude. He's let go because of drug and mental problems and committed suicide a couple years later. Oh. So they, they dedicated one of the next albums to him a after his death, but just goes to show that no matter when you're smiling, you can look like the most joyful person ever. Doesn't mean that person's always doing well. There's my PSA. PSA for the day. Finish up on Halloween. They're ending 93 without oh, yeah. a drummer because they got rid of his replacement because the replacement sucked and couldn't play like Ingo played. <laughs> so no singer, no drummer, no contract. Hooray! And all, most of us Americans think that there's no band. Fuckers. I could bore you about where the Keeper albums charted decently in the U.S., but really good in Germany and Sweden and, and places. But instead... Yeah. I think I'm not going to bore people with that this time. I'm not going to bore you by telling you that it was number five in Germany for part two and <laughs> 15 for part one. I won't bore you by telling you it reached 104 in the U.S. and 108 in the U.S. for one and two respectively. I won't do that. And you can't make me. <clears throat> On that note. <laughs> and you shouldn't. And you shouldn't do that. Well, good. I'm glad I did not. You're all okay. welcome. <laughs> do you have uh, anything you'd like to insert? <laughs> Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. <laughs> Say no more. 
no, I think I'm good. <laughs> All right. Well then, to reiterate, Halloween, fantastic guitar work, fantastic drum work. You'll get awesome kick-ass bass lines in songs where they showcase everybody. Dueling guitars, powerful lyrics, powerful vocals, soaring majesty, life and death, good and evil. Could run a D&D campaign. <laughs> no way. <laughs> and there's your obligatory Ghostbusters quote. <laughs> All right. So we will be back soon with more awesome metal and hard rock and mead and drinking and everything else sometime soon. Until yeah. then, I'm James. I'm Jody. We'll see you later. Bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. I'm going to say, since you were singing Halloween, or, well, shrieking. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that what they're calling it these days? <laughs> it's my Irish roots. I'm shrieking. <laughs> Whenever you're ready, would you like to start this one, or would you like me to, or do you have anything to talk about first before we go, or? I should probably stop looking at dirty pictures on Tumblr. Of course, that makes no sense, yeah. Yeah, no, no, I'm, no, no, see, this is me getting my thoughts together, saying all sorts of stupid shit. Do I ever think deeply on anything? <laughs> you do, and it's scary when you actually get into it, so. <laughs> okay, well, in that case, no, not really. Okay. Cut my stupidity out. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you mean all of it? <laughs> There's another tangent. Yep, I was going to let it kind of trail off. <laughs> And my mother, I probably mentioned, is a very, very devout Catholic. So very kind, very caring. And I look at her and go, hey, mom, I've done something Jesus never could do. She looked at me like, what? I go, I'm 34. And do the double point. And the look on her face <laughs> was just like, that's the first time I'd ever looked at me like, oh, my God, you actually are going to hell. <laughs> Anti Antisocial. Have we, have we told the story about... Before we started hanging out in high school, <laughs> see each other in the hallway, and eh, that dude looks like he's about to kick somebody's ass. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm and, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but you weren't looking for a fight either. <laughs> no, furthest thing. I mean, yeah, Jody told me this years later, a year or two later. I don't know, but I'm like, really? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. We, and it wasn't just me. I mean, it was, uh, you know, I was, I was a year behind you in school and it was other guys that were in my class that were uh, man i'm not gonna talk to him he looks like he's about to punch somebody <laughs> oh, damn <Boy. laughs> probably walking down the hall going damn all these hot girls i get nowhere with them son of a bitch motherfucker <laughs> yeah. yes didn't we decide to call that resting dick face <laughs> no that's what thompson does <laughs> <laughs> i'd say poor rob <laughs> So we need to get him on here sometime. We, we do. The fucker needs to listen first. I don't think he's listening to any of these. <laughs> he probably knows better. <laughs>